Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. Praise God. We're just going to read one verse of Scripture. For our text this evening, Acts chapter 3 and verse 1. The Bible says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer. Amen. Let's pray. That is my title this evening, is Let's Pray. I saw some of you close your eyes and bow your heads. I got you. But I believe that the Lord would like to challenge us tonight to understand that prayer is our privilege, it's our mandate, it's our apostolic advantage. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't believe that I would have much argument when I state the following statement, there is a darkness at work today in our world. There is a darkness at work today. Fear has gripped people and is driving their decisions. Deep discouragement and even depression has taken a hold of homes, minds, and it is attempting to break the human will. Hurt and anger are being fueled by prejudice and pride that is literally leading to the destruction of property and the taking of human life. Animosity and anxiousness is rising as we grow closer to another presidential election that will culminate in early November. Just another factor being plugged into the equation that results in dividing us and not uniting us as a country. On top of all of this, People all throughout our country are facing the aftermath of natural disasters that have ravaged their homes, whether it is the violent windstorm that wrecked havoc in Iowa, Illinois, or the devastating results on Hurricane Laura's landfall in the last 24 hours, of which I know at least two United Pentecostal churches their building being unusable, rendered unusable. Not to mention that in just the past two weeks, in the state of California, there have been over 650 wildfires that have resulted in 1.2 million acres being destroyed. That's six times the size of New York City, resulting in seven people dead and over 1,000 
buildings destroyed. I ask this question, what is going to happen? What is going to happen next? When the ballots are counted and the presidential election is decided and done, what is going to happen next? When the verdict is finalized and publicized in the trial of the police officers who have been charged with the killing of George Floyd, among other cases of similar nature, what is going to happen next? When the full impact of COVID is felt, when it hits our economy here nationally and globally, what is going to happen next? Those, just those three things that I have now stated, whether it is the racial injustice and the unrest that has risen because of it, the election, the global and national economy, the reality is, is when we ask what is going to happen next, the answer is absolutely lacking. Truth of the matter is, in the year 2020, I have come to the place personally where I'm not sure if there would really be anything that would come up in the news tomorrow that would surprise me. Not that, not that there's something that could happen that would be that would be catching my attention or would be unusual or unfamiliar to our society's landscape but the the, the reality is is I think a lot of people are at a place where they've almost come to expect the worst they've almost come to expect something else that's bad or horrible or terrible to happen next week. My mind goes back to when COVID really hit the United States of America. And it seemed like weeks on end passed and everyone was only talking about COVID. Every news outlet, all over social media, Everywhere you turn, it seemed to me that at least in the news, nothing, nothing was newsworthy if it was not COVID related. And the, the truth of the matter is, is at that point in time, nothing seemed more urgent. But it did absolutely amaze me when the death of one man in the Twin Cities of Minnesota trumped all news about COVID. And that's all that the world was talking about. Not just in North America, but around the world. At the beginning of 2020, there was an overused, obvious pick for annual themes by churches. Because the year was going to be 2020, and the most common connection with those two numbers was a perfect score on an eye exam. So vision seemed like the no-brainer choice 
for things. Not just for churches, but I've even noticed it in companies and different visited 2020 as the year of vision. But of course, in perfect irony, we could say that nobody saw all of this coming. The first service of the year, the first Sunday of 2020, I preached to the Refuge Church how we must be gathered together. And then the first Thursday of 2020, I preached in the beginning, God. And as we close out the eighth month of the year already, it is still the word of the Lord for the Refuge Church family. We must do more than gather. We must be together. We must be unified. We must walk in step with the Spirit. We must labor together in a certain symphony or harmony with the Holy Ghost. It is more needful today, perhaps, than we've ever felt it before. To be gathered together, we've learned in 2020 means more than just to be in one place at one time. But we have learned to be gathered together and the power and the potential of that could also be realized even when we were spread out throughout the Quad Cities. But yet we set aside a time in our homes to watch and to pray. We must stand as one. In our current cultural climate that is doing its dead level best at dividing and destroying any unity, any harmony. The church, more specifically the one that I have been made shepherd over, the refuge, must be gathered together. We must absolutely, viciously, with a holy indignation, attack any spirit that would oppose unity among us. Any rumors, any backbiting, any gossip, any bitterness, any anger, any angst, any offenses, we must take those and pull them down because they have no place at the Refuge Church. Furthermore, we must continue to operate by the Genesis 1-1 principle, where it states, in the beginning, God. It is this principle that must govern and rule our lives each and every day. In the beginning of business, God. In the beginning of family, God. In the beginning of church, God. In the beginning of government, Someone say, God. Like Moses, who was courageous enough to look back at God Almighty, directed him to take the people and go to the promised land. Moses would dare look back at divinity and say, God, if you don't go with us, then we won't go. And we understand, even as we close out the month of August, we must have God. 
at the beginning of the month of September, at the beginning of the month of October, at the beginning of our Friday morning, at the beginning of our work week, we must have God. We must be after the Spirit. We must not expect the Spirit to follow us, but we must follow after the Spirit. Somebody say amen. Let's pray. That's the call that we must hear tonight. For prayer must never stop. Our world needs prayer. Can anybody agree with that? Our world needs prayer. It needs prayer more than it needs another election. It needs prayer more than it needs another form of legislation. It needs prayer more than it needs another protest. It needs prayer more than it needs another arrest. It needs prayer more than it needs another government stimulus check. It needs prayer more than it needs another federal policy on insurance, immigration, and the list could go on and on. There are things that you and I may want and we might even feel like there's a need for for ourselves, for our homes, for our cities, our states, and our country. There may be things that we recognize, we even acknowledge, they are needful in our land. But more than all of that, more than everything else, we need prayer. We need a, div a divine connection from earth to heaven that hears the voice of God and the ears of God hear the voice of man. Somebody shout amen. As the church, we operate knowing that we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. But we are indeed wrestling with principalities and powers rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in high places. There are insidious and demonic forces that are fiercely at work in our world right now. Hear me today. What we may see in the natural, I've said this before, what we may see going on in the news, what we may see in the natural is only the tip of the iceberg. It's only what could be viewed by man's vision, his eyesight, but there is an unseen, invisible realm of the Spirit, and I promise you that there are demons at work, there are unclean spirits that are at work, that are trying to lead unregenerate mankind to its own demise, it is trying, listen, it is trying to use people who have not yet been born again, who are given to the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eye and the pride of life. They are using unregenerate mankind as puppets and pawns in a game that seeks and is bent for nothing else but to destroy the church, to destroy and attack the church of the living God. We must recognize this and we must do something about it. We can't sit back in our leisure and comfort. We cannot sit back in our living rooms and our recliners and look at how the world burns around us and feel no movement inside of us over what is happening in our world. Something must be stirred in us and realize that this is indeed the end times and this indeed is an hour in which we are called to prayer. Spiritual darkness that is doing its absolute best 
is being fueled with hatred, division. It's pushing an anti-Christ agenda. Mark it down. Write it down. Date it, if you will. Mark my words, a spirit of antichrist that is at work and it is seeking to use, it is seeking to hijack every administration, every, every activist group, every, every group and category of society. I'm telling you, it is seeking to hijack those things and use those things. Listen, some of those administrations and some of those activist groups and, and some of those groups of society, listen, some of them may have started with good intentions, but I promise you that there is a spirit of antichrist at work that is seeking to tear down and destroy everything that God has set forth in his word, and it's time that you and I open our eyes to it all in the spirit and say, listen, we have weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and Casting down imaginations and every high and lofty thing that seeks to destroy the work of God. Oh, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. This is the first line in Charles Dickens' famous novel, A Tale of Two Cities. It is probably the most famous opening lines in all of English literature. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness, the writer goes on. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. These words were signifying that it was a time of contradictions. The two cities that were referred to in this novel is London and Paris during the turmoil of the French Revolution. For the oppressed citizens of 18th century France, the revolution's proclamation of the rights of man was indeed a spring of hope. But for those of the ancient regime or the apolitical system, it was the winter of despair leading to death and destruction. I feel that this is very symbolic of where we are today. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. 2020 indeed can be. And the months and years to come before the coming of the Lord indeed can be. Characterized by that statement, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. For two kingdoms, two cities. And perhaps more personally for you in your life, perhaps never more than now, you have felt such contradiction in your spirit. Let me explain this earlier this week. As I've already announced before, I started a little side job, Uber driving. The other day I took an hour and went ahead and signed on my phone and I accepted a, a ride request that I normally would not have accepted. Typically I wait until a request comes in that's within five minutes of where I'm at. 
this request was 16 minutes away, and before you knew it, I was all the way out in Silvis, and I was picking up a gentleman. His name was Steve. As I normally do, I sought to engage my rider in conversation, and I really just asked, hey man, how you doing? How, how's things going today? And for the next 25 minutes, as I took him to his destination, he began to pour his heart out. This man, the computer analyst for John Deere, but since the month of March, has been without work. Still unsure of what his future holds, he has worked the last 13 years for John Deere. He went to school for the job. He's got a boy that's a junior in college. He's got a four-year-old son as well. I did not expect for this ride on this day to impact me the way it did. This man conveyed to me in many words, but in essence he said that his family's never seen him cry. He's a man, he doesn't cry, but the other day that all changed. He said he's just completely unsure of what to do when the tables have really turned in his house and here he is at home trying to figure out what the next step is when his wife is really the breadwinner at this point and she's working hard trying to balance the family, balance work. And He said that he has never seen and appreciated his wife as he does right now. He says there's not much privacy in our house, but my wife and I felt the need just to get away from it all right there in our home. With a chuckle, he said that he and his wife went into the closet and started talking to each other just because they wanted a private place to talk. And they just started bawling their eyes out together. And how his wife assured him that they are going to get through this. They're going to make it through this. We started talking about what positives might have come out of this. I explained who I was. I'm a pastor and different cases that I have counseled before. And I, I told him how it sounded like there's so many things going wrong. And really he was just on his way to a buddy's house so he could spend the rest of the day drinking. Talked to him about how he has had this opportunity to grow closer to his kids and closer to his wife more than he ever has before, to which he agreed. And before we knew it, he realized that though this season is difficult, it has caused some things positive to happen in his life that he has never seen before. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times told me that I shouldn't be surprised if I see he and his family walk through the doors of our church. That it, the conversation that we had was the best thing that's happened to him in a long time. Fear, hatred, uncertainty, suicides are on the rise. 
domestic violence and abuse on the rise. There are so many things that are breaking down and seek to break down the human will, but there is a possibility. There is an opportunity, if you will. There is a door that I feel opening in the spirit, refuge, if you would hear me. A door that is opening, a door of opportunity to preach the gospel as we have never had open to us before. Why? Because it indeed seems to most that it is the worst of times. But it is also the edge of the best of times. There's an opportunity for us to reach people with the saving gospel of Jesus Christ like I preached about this past Sunday. There is an opportunity for us to show the church world that there is an apostolic advantage that must be recognized. We serve a God who sees the end from the beginning and none of this has caught him by surprise. I'm talking about the head of the church and the captain of our salvation, the author and finisher of our faith, the one that is leading us. As long as we let him lead us, I'm telling you, he already knows what's next. We might not know. We don't know what will happen in November. We won't know what will happen next year, but God does, and he's the one that's in charge. He's the one that is leading us. He's the one that is ordering our steps. Oh, we have a privilege of being filled with His Spirit, and therefore we also have the power of being led of His Spirit. We have the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as our banner. We have the church, the family of God. I'm so thankful like never before to have brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus that I can reach out to, that I know are praying for me, and I'm praying for them. We are united. We are a church family. Oh, I'm here to state plainly that the saints of God will continue to grow spiritually, that the number of believers will increase, and the plans to build will move forward. I'm here to state plainly that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church but our Jesus who is the chief cornerstone is the wise and master builder and he will build his church and his church is glorious it doesn't have spot it doesn't have wrinkle and I'm a part of it I said, I'm a part of it. I'm glad to be one of them. I'm glad to be counted with the redeemed. I'm glad to be a saint of God, adopted into the family of Christ. Somebody shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. Times are shifting and times are changing. As I close in the next eight minutes, stay with me. Times are shifting and times are changing and we must move with it. Look at your neighbor and say, we must move with it. Let's pray. That's right. When we don't know what's going to happen next. When we don't know which way to go. We don't know what to do. We don't know how the ends are going to meet and needs are going to be provided for. We don't know. So, let's pray. Let's pray. That's not a bad idea. In fact, that's a great idea. In fact, that's the best idea we could have. That's the best thing that we could do. Let's pray. 
choosing to reopen the house of prayer to be used on a scheduled basis beginning Tuesday, September 1st. We are going to have a way for you to sign up for an hour that you choose, on a day that you choose, to have the house of prayer your place of prayer. While we do not expect that the only prayer time you have is accomplished at the house of prayer, we do believe in the power of unified prayer. We believe that unified prayer can better facilitate, be better facilitated by designating specific days, times, and places for the purpose of prayer. If you're still with me, shout amen. We see in the scriptures examples where the people of God were called to day, a day, or days of earnest prayer in humility and in fasting. We see it in the Old Testament especially. There were feast days and the day of atonement, the day of Passover, and the list could go on. There were days or a day that was designated for prayer and humility and fasting. We also see in Scripture examples of when the people of God had devoted a certain time or an hour of prayer. The example is in our text, among other places in Scripture, but in Acts chapter 3, verse 1, it opens with these words, now Peter and John went up together, someone say together, they went up together into the temple, a place, at the hour, a time of prayer. Hear me now, yes, in the previous chapter, we just read about the outpouring of Pentecost. We read about 3,000 souls that were added to the church. There was church work to be done. There was discipling to do, Bible studies to teach. Yes, there were needs to be met, but no need demanded greater attention than the need of prayer. It was the hour of prayer. It was the designated time. It was time to pray. And then, lastly, there is also scriptural precedent of the people of God and God himself designating places for the spiritual discipline of prayer. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 through 16. Listen carefully. Close your eyes if you have to so you could give your attention to the reading of the word right now. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12 through 16. The Lord appears to Solomon by night and says to him, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven, that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among the people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, Mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend unto the prayer that is made in, someone say, this place. In this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. While I am not proposing that the building next door we call the house of prayer exist on the same level as the temple of the Lord that Solomon built in Jerusalem, I am making the point that there is precedent and there is power 
when the people of God choose a place to collectively seek the face of God together. And that's what we need to do. We need to pray. We need to pray. Why? Because we believe that the hour demands it. And we believe that there is a God who is the only answer for sin-sick society. And we know that in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. Stand together with me. Now to him who is able. Does anyone know who that is? It's the Lord. It's our Savior. He's able to do more than we could ask or think. But it's according to the power that works in us. So let's pray. Struggling with depression, feel defeated, discouraged, displaced. Let's pray. Just the other day, we sitting with a group of people and just, I don't know, just the weight of everything made my wife comment and say, Jesus, come quickly. Take us home, Lord. It's time to go. But I was reminded of Steve. Steve's not ready. Reminded of loved ones and family members that I have, that I'm blood related to. They're not ready. I've got neighbors, neighbor kids that my daughter cries and prays in the spirit over because their parents won't let them go to church with Sophia. They're not ready. I want to be ready. And most of me is, I'm ready to depart. But like Paul says, it's more needful, perhaps, that the time of our departure is not yet. Is anybody thankful that the Lord waited for you? Is anybody thankful that the Lord didn't come back before the day you were born again? The day you were baptized, the day you were filled with the Holy Ghost, the day your ears got to hear truth. Is anybody thankful that the Lord waited until he picked you up out of your mess? Then somebody ought to also have a passion that says, God, help me to do what I can, when I can, where I can, to reach whoever you will through my life because someone is still waiting. Oh, hallelujah. With our heads lifted up towards heaven. With our eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ, let's begin to talk to him right now. Before we leave this place, let's internalize the message. Let's internalize this message. Let's pray. Come on, let's pray. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. Lord, we need you. Lord, we hear your voice call us to that place of prayer. Lord, yes, while we will reopen the house of prayer for our church members to use beginning on September 1st, we don't have to wait till then, Lord. 
In fact, Lord, you are calling us to that closet of prayer in our personal and private homes. You're calling us to pray without ceasing wherever we are, to always be in the mindset that you are just as close as the mention of your name. Yes, Lord, it may feel like the worst of times in our country, in our world, in our cities, and it seems, Lord, like there's division and there's hatred, and, and Lord, there's all kinds of darkness that is at work among us, among us, Lord, we know it's also the best of times because it's time for the church to seize its opportunity to shine in the darkness brighter than it's ever shown before. Lord, I pray, teach us to pray. Teach us to love. Increase our faith. Oh, Lord, all of these things are required through that place where we commune with you. We talk with you and you talk with us. Teach us, oh Lord, teach our hands to war in the spirit. Teach our hands to war in the spirit. There is spiritual warfare happening all around us. Darkness is at work against the church and against humanity. Lord, I pray, move upon the refuge church family to be a people of much prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.